Unprotected Headshots podcast, a podcast where we talk about this week in WWE, stuff we like, stuff we don't like. I am joined today by John Cena's favorite neighbor, Ryan Haft, our very own Dr. Isaac Yankum, Haley Piana, our resident Hornswoggle, Carl Z, and the member of the Titus brand, Josh Bachner. You got me, the long-lost brother of Brothers of Destruction, fighting out of Parts Unknown, Parker King. Welcome. I I thought you were the long-lost brother of James Ellsworth. (laughs) Maybe Carl. Carl's Hornswoggle's brother and James Ellsworth's brother. At least I have a chin, unlike you. Hey, I got you. Who did you reference me to again? Because I'm going to look him up. Kane's Isaac Yankum. It was it was Kane's gimmick uh, back before he was Kane. He was Ted DiBiase's personal dentist, and he was kind of like a bodyguard kind of character. Yeah, you type in his name, and the first thing that comes up is Kane. It was not a good. It was not a good gimmick, and it did not no, last it, long. Isaac Yankum DDS. Okay, I got I gotta fucking watch this. <laughs> oh my god, he comes out with the fucking goggles. That's Jerry the King Lawler doing over there. Oh yeah, he was like hired by Lawler. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about Enzo More, what his prospects are as a singles competitor, and some news and rumors about him backstage, uh, courtesy of Dave Meltzer. Um, Next, we're going to be talking about the Hardys. Are they broken? Are they bent? Are they fine? Um, there's a lot of rumors coming out about them maybe bringing the gimmick to WWE, the broken, uh, personas. Um, out of that, there was a lot of, a lot of speculation and a lot of information. The final thing we're going to be talking about today on the podcast is Roman Reigns. Should he be in jail? Is he a felon and a a possible, uh, murderer or attempted murderer? The answer is yes. Spoiler alert. Find out tonight on iNews at 6. Um, find out tonight on the Unprotected Headshots podcast. Yes. <laughs> Nerd. All right, so the first thing we're going to be talking about today is Enzo Amore. Boo. Boo, Enzo. Enzo Amore is a Jersey boy, just like yours truly. And Parker is the death of all fun. I don't, I don't know if Enzo is fun anymore. He is now a singles competitor. Cass beat him up. And smacked him down and pinned him in a, in like five minutes at uh, Great Balls of Fire. The best pay-per-view of the year for Raw. So, what do you guys think about Enzo? I know Parker hates him, but can you see him being a successful singles competitor? And where should he be able to do that? In the cruiserweights, maybe? I mean, you can't... five live, absolutely. Seen. The, the problem for me is when you look at most well-known, better-known tag teams split up, there's always one that always rises, and then for the most part, except for a few exceptions, the other one just kind of fades. You know, Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, you know, Pillman, you know, kind of went off, you know, and did his own thing and never really kind of found his groove again. Um, Marty Jannetty and um, Shawn Michaels, you know, what happened to Jannetty? Even with, like, the Hardys and Edge and Christian, you know, Edge, was, Edge and Jeff Hardy were always the forefront guys, and, you know, Matt only now with the broken gimmick in the past has, has only really had his you know, fame come back, and then, you know, Christian, like, he has some good runs, but, you know, he was never the... He was an edge. No, he was an edge, exactly. So... To be fair, that's a level of uh, success that most people will never attain in WWE, but at the same time, yeah, you gotta think that Enzo's gonna be the one that kind of fades into oblivion. Quick. Uh, it's, which, which is really unfortunate, is, 
is the, the fact that he is so good on the mic. This is something that Ryan and I have been talking about for quite a while now. Um, I'm trying to remember if we've thrown this into uh, our discussions at all, but Enzo really would make a fantastic manager for someone. And if a couple years down the road, Big Cass has has established himself as a main event singles talent, if Brock Lesnar is still around and Paul Heyman's still managing him, you get Enzo and Cass back together through some sort of shenanigans, and then you have Enzo versus Heyman on the mic, and then you have Cass versus Brock in the ring. That's just printing money. The, the thing that they need to do is turn Enzo into a manager because he would make a fantastic manager. His skill on the mic might actually make him the next Paul Heyman because he's just that good at off the cusp talking like that. There's no one else who really has that kind of skill. I agree, but I disagree. I agree definitely that he's got the talking personality. He could stand up to the level of manager that Paul Heyman is. But when I look at Big Cass as a singles competitor, I don't see him as a champion. I think that wrestling-wise, both these guys are kind of subpar. They're only half of what they need to be. And I think that's what made them such a good tag team was because, you know, together they made a fairly okay, decent wrestler. I think Big Cass is just as much a fault for not being a good tag team as Enzo is because, let's face it, he wasn't winning any matches same way that Enzo wasn't. So I think if you can beef up his his presence in the ring, you can beef up his move set. I think Cass would have a better chance of being, you know, a champion. But as he is right now, he's got size on his side, and that's about it. That's the bread and butter in WWE, though. Big guys, big sweaty big, men, exactly. bald, big guys. Cass is getting a little pudgy. I little I was I noticed that a little bit while he was in the ring this week that he's not looking as toned as he used to. Um, but no, uh, we were listening to the Chris Jericho podcast uh, on our way to WrestleMania, and he was interviewing Big Cass, and that's what Cass said was a reason why he was even brought into WWE was because of his size alone. Which has I been a time and tested thing that Vince loves to do, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. He's six nine. You can't teach that. <laughs> True. My thing is with Enzo, yeah, maybe a manager, but who the hell would you want him to manage? Like, I can't see one person on the roster that makes sense. I think they're going to transition him into being the big show's manager just because, but I mean, it just, like, I don't want, he doesn't make sense with anybody on the current roster. It's because he's kind of his own entity. Cass was kind of a blank slate. So you put him with Enzo, and Enzo's colorfulness, you know, it works. When someone already has an established presence and an established gimmick, it's hard to to put them with someone as extreme as Enzo. He fades out quickly. I guess the thing is that his gimmick doesn't really go along the lines of anyone else in the company at the moment that we can really think of. Because there, there's no one else that's really got that sort of gangster aspect, at least on Raw. If you transition Enzo over to SmackDown, maybe you have a couple people there. Uh, I think it might be interesting if you could put the sort of ga- uh, gangster attitude that Enzo has along with, say, uh, the Usos. Because... That sort of meshes. It's maybe it's not exactly mm. the same kind. You know what? You know but what? But it's not totally yeah. But do out you of place. Take, do you take Enzo's gangster attitude seriously? Because I don't think anyone does. Okay. But Usos, yeah. 
Um, just to just to interject, just to interject, I like that idea, Carl, because the the New Day currently are feuding the Usos, and they had their rap battle. You know who would have made the Usos go over in the rap battle more than anything? Enzo it's Amore, right. a heel Enzo on SmackDown. Maybe not, maybe not now, but potentially in the future, I would love to see him turn heel and do what he does best, which is talk, and and, and use that to make himself more valuable to WWE. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe he's more valuable as a heel. Which we would not know. We have no idea. We've never seen either of those guys as a heel. But if Cass can do it, and he's done it, you know, for the last three weeks pretty well, I guarantee you Enzo can do it. And 205 Live might be a place for Enzo Amore. They're not going to put him on 205 Live. He's too polarizing, and that show is meant to bore you and not make you watch it. <laughs> if, if they put Enzo on 205 Live, you would tune in, watch him get beat up, and then tune out. Another option for Enzo as a manager... Is he could probably stay can uh, stay as his own entity for the most part uh, as a heel manager and be that sort of sleaze ball manager that takes advantage of all his clients. You just gotta find someone that uh, is way down the card and is looking for a uh, a way up, and then Enzo completely takes advantage of him at, at every every turn. So, so he's got to be the heel version of Titus O'Neil. Titus O'Heel. <laughs> Exactly. Like, here's the thing. Titus is actually making stuff happen, whereas Enzo would be absolutely taking advantage of pretty much oh, everything. Yeah. He's got the smooth-talking ability that would make him perfect for that kind of role. Yeah, I think he'd be fine as a manager. I think the Usos is a bit of a stretch. I don't think that's the best example for him. Yeah, um, but I can definitely case. see him doing... I could see some nobody person coming up from NXT where they do kind of have a bit of a blank slate. I could see Enzo partnering with up with Ty someone Dillinger. like him. Dillinger can't talk. Put him with Dillinger. I can see that. Dillin- Dillinger is like the most generic wrestler on the planet. There's nothing fun about him. Add Enzo Amore. Ten. Yeah, ten. It's the most annoying chant in the universe. I hate it. It's He's not over. The chant is. So, if you put Enzo with a guy like Ty Dillinger... Potentially, you get something out of it that you didn't have before. That can work because that, they're, they're kind of the best idea uh, that, that would work immediately. Because again, like you said, Ty Dillinger isn't particularly good on the mic. Enzo as the manager of Ty Dillinger would be so much fun because it, it would be Enzo money. would have so much to work with with that perfect Ted gimmick. Yes, he would. Um, I'm sure nobody's thought of that, so it's probably never going to happen. No, but we're all saying that. The only way for him to be successful, uh, Enzo, is to transition off of Monday Night Raw and to go to SmackDown. And to basically stop wrestling, because unless he goes to 305 Live, he is not a credible threat to anyone. 305 Live. Dude, I would watch 305 Live with Braun Strowman and Big Show. That's just the whole roster of Big Show and Braun Strowman. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Enzo Amore can't be taken by a credible threat from anyone on the roster unless he's in 205 Live. If, if he stays on the main roster on Raw or SmackDown, then he basically has to become a manager because he's not going to be beating any, not credibly at least. If, if he, Hawkins, if Kalisto. 
Hell, I would. I expect Kurt Hawkins would beat him because at least Kurt Hawkins goes out and wrestles on a regular basis. Enzo just goes out to get beaten up. Yeah, Kurt Hawkins also goes out to get beaten up, but if it was between those two, I would honestly expect Kurt Hawkins to come out on top. What if they put him back with Carmella? I'm game. And then Enzo and Ellsworth had a... Uh, they fought for Carmella, or they fought to be yeah, the manager of Carmella. The cast dates Carmella. I'm cool with that. I'm very they have game the same with gimmick, this. or they used to. But this goes back to the fact that that would involve transitioning Enzo over to SmackDown. I agree. But no, but then Ellsworth would have to go and manage Cass. And then where would we be? Now, Ellsworth then can, can then disappear off TV. I love that. But That's I don't fine. want him to That's disappear. I think Ellsworth <laughs> is great, and anybody else who says otherwise is just wrong. He's like a comedy pixie of WWE. Ellsworth has been a lot more fun recently. Uh, they they didn't figure out what to do with him for a while, but now he, now he's the manager or valet, whatever the hell he is of Carmella. He's been a lot more interesting. But at the same time, I think that putting Enzo back with Carmella because those two clearly do mesh together. They did it. They'd worked very well in uh, NXT together. That's probably the best option at the moment, uh, unless you do want to put him with Ty Dillinger. Either way. Enzo needs to go to SmackDown. So, any other Im- uh, important notes about Enzo Amore? No, I'm done with Enzo Amore. We've all already agreed that we're on the same page. Let's move on. Look, unless he can change his wrestling abilities and improve immensely, I don't see how he's going he's to fade out eventually. All right. He's too small. There's no way. All right. So, sticking with Monday Night Raw, that's pretty much what this show is going to be about. Um, SmackDown's doing fine on their own. But they don't really have too many interesting storylines happening right now. They're in a weird spot. Are the Hardys broken? Are has has the aftermath of them losing and getting bloodied and beaten and broken at Great Balls of Fire, and then the next night on Monday Night Raw being just absolutely thrown about? So when the the Hardys fought the club, who? I'm happy to see on TV, Luke Gallows, I think, is the is one of the best talkers on the roster. If you don't believe me, listen to his, his podcast uh, with Jericho. That's the best thing I ever heard in my entire life. Um, but the Hardys are in a weird position right now. I've noticed that Jeff Hardy has been about one second late twice in a row. He was one second late to get the pin to, to tie it up at... Uh, Great Balls of Fire? Oh, it's planned. Yeah. I know. It's, it's oh, planned. I thought like he was like, late in the spots. Never mind. But, no, no, no. He's, he's definitely he was... not late in the spots. He's purposely one second late right now in all the matches. He's just a bit late to break up the pin on Monday night. And then he goes and throws, and before the match even starts, he goes and throws out the fate away and classify ourselves as obsolete. And then Matt's doing, he's, he's, throwing out all the language you want. He and every the only thing missing was the accent and the clothing at that point, honestly. Yeah. It's it's they're I think they're transitioning into letting the fans know that it's coming. It my won't come until the with, next pay per view. That's my guess. But my, my only concern is is that how are you gonna transition to the broken game? Like like if they just come out, hey we're broken, ah it's just like oh, that doesn't make any sense. You they really need are, they really, need a dramatic it loss. Need to. I don't think it needs to make sense. That's the whole point. No, no, no. No, you have to transition. You can't just have them appear. Yes, like, I, I agree like with a, you. One Here's... week as Matt and Jeff Hardy do Team Extreme, and then the next week just all oh, the hey, yeah, we're broken. Ah, like it has to be some smooth transitioning. I don't know what. Agreed. 
that would absolutely lose the uh, casual wrestling fan that doesn't really pay that much yes. attention. So what doesn't I th- pay attention to the TNA stuff and all that. What I think is going to happen is at SummerSlam, they're going to draw this out. They're going to they're going to be losing a lot. SummerSlam, Jeff is gonna is gonna break Matt. Is what I think is going to happen. If if Jeff is consistently late, Matt's going to get uh, get annoyed with him and say, "Hey man, if if you don't got my back." Then I'm I'm I don't want to be you know the Hardys anymore. We've both been successful as singles wrestlers in the past. Why don't we do that again? You know, it's completely um, tame. It's just a simple breakup, but they're still brothers. They're still friends. You know, but come SummerSlam, Matt loses a match, and then Jeff comes out in his obsolete gear or whatever the WWE variant of that will be. He just, Jeff would come down in whatever you know the obsolete version of him would be, and then and then toss Matt around the stadium, destroy him with chairs. I think it would be very interesting if Jeff broke Matt. If Jeff breaks Matt, and and the 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 wear and tear is there. They just need you know that one final hammer to the glass. They just need to shatter. But if Bye. they shatter, then you risk losing another tag team, and Raw can't afford to lose the tag team. They could they could avoid that if they bring up uh, who are the two authors of pain. Yeah, if they brought up the authors of pain, I think that would be fine because they just like got an the revival heel, like, like tag team division. Then yeah, I think That's you could turn the faces. I think you could turn the club face really easily. I think people want the club to be face. Right. It's just they've had a terrible booking. They need to stop saying nerd. It's so fucking nerd. Oh, I fucking love that. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't hate know. it. It's so bad. It's just, I think it's hilarious because it, it is kind of bad. It's just what he, he does that in real life, too. He calls people nerds. Um, I have a different take on how they finally break the parties. I think it's still going to be the cause of Jeff, but I think going, going into a pay-per-view with a spectacular losing streak, Jeff's been late for so long. Like he's, he's just not quite there. And they, they they basically use that to rehash the final deletion. Uh, Matt gets hacked off at Jeff, and he's like, "You're not you're not a real Hardy. Uh, I'll fight you for the for the Hardy brand or whatever." And then he has to start calling him Brother Nero and all that. And you start seeing Matt become more and more unhinged uh, as they keep losing more and more matches until the point where Matt finally gets pissed off enough at Jeff to challenge him to the challenge him to basically WWE's version of the final deletion. Then you then then you basically you, you rehash it all, but it allows the WWE fans to see basically what happened in TNA when the gimmick was originally being introduced. And I think that would make a lot more sense because at least it's it's a progression that is isn't gonna be out of nowhere suddenly. You can see you see it happening. Uh, the fans that are in the know know what's going on. And the casual fan that doesn't understand gets to experience uh, the evolution of the broken gimmick as it comes on, as it gets more and more, until the point where they can be fully broken. They're a tag team again. You have Brother Nero, you have Broken Matt, and everyone is on the same page at least. They're doing all this crazy stuff, but you haven't completely lost the audience. They know why this is happening, what's going on, and why Matt is speaking like some crazy... English Australian uh crap. Yeah, no. I, I that that makes a lot of sense to me. The WWE version of the final deletion. I think that's a really good take on that. 
And you're right when you say that the, the casual audience can't... They don't know what Broken Matt is. I'm sure they know on Twitter, oh, he's very silly on Twitter. But they there's no way in hell that the casual fan is turning on TNA or Impact Wrestling. You know, every, every week, you know, or was doing that during the original run of, of Matt Hardy as Broken Matt Hardy. Um... So, yes, I think WWE will get to their version of the final deletion. I don't think it'll be the exact simu- uh, the exact way that they did in TNA. I think it'll be a Hell in a Cell match at SummerSlam. Or yeah, at, I can see that. So, either there or at um, Survivor Series. It depends, it depends really how long the trial is. Uh, if it happened at WrestleMania, I think it'd be weird to have that at WrestleMania. But Jeff versus Matt is a great fight at WrestleMania. Um you know, exactly a year after the debut, back on on the Raw roster. How about Finn Balor uh, doing a Nazi salute instead of the uh, delete motion? It's it's one finger, guys. It's one finger, not not the not the Nazi you know Heil. It's that shit was ridiculous. That was hilarious. I do you think Vince? Uh, do you think Vince said anything to Finn about that? No. He was like, I'm proud of you, son. I don't think Vince is a Nazi. He's not Walt Disney. Why do I get the feeling that Vince isn't as hot on Finn Balor as he once was? Uh, after he got hurt. That's why Vince doesn't like giving little guys pushes, because he thinks they get hurt. And I mean, but Seth Rollins isn't that much bet. bigger. No, but Seth Rollins isn't at the top of the card anymore. Seth Rollins I mean, is also a former champion who's completely established. I don't count Finn Balor. He is a former champion, but that's because... You know, he did it for one night in the Fatal 4-Way and then got hurt. But that Vince, wasn't, like, his fault that he got hurt. It was the belt buckle that just, you know, set to I know it's not his fault, oddly. but Vince doesn't believe in him the same way, you know, Triple H does. Um, and Triple H has actually had uh, reportedly been angry with Vince about the booking of former NXT champions, including, you know, Bo Dallas and, and Neville. Uh <sighs> And he's worried that if you know if you bring up if you bring up Bobby Roode, who I think is one of the least impactful champions NXT's ever had, except for his. I uh, completely agree. Yes, he's not a great NXT champion compared to what we've had. No, because I tuned in to watch Samoa Joe. I tuned in to watch uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, and I tuned in to watch Finn Balor. Oh, I don't want to talk about Nakamura, his current booking. No, he. I I feel bad for the guy. I honestly feel bad for the guy. He talks too much now. Yes, he talks too much, and they they the artist is the worst thing that ever happened. Are they still going with that? They say it, but they, it's, not, it's not a gimmick. It's a title. It doesn't mean anything. Um, hey, y'all, speaking of Finn and Seth, Seth weighs 30 pounds more than Finn Balor. Right. Finn Balor could be a cruiserweight by 15 pounds. Yeah, and, and he's also not So Finn's tall. still a pretty small guy. I also wish he would transition away from the coup de gras and just do the 1916 as his finisher. I hate the coup de gras. I think it's a terrible finishing move. I mean, that's, that's a pretty devastating finisher. move. You think about it. You're stomping on someone's chest from like fifth, like ten feet in the air. If it's want, a like, really dangerous move, honestly. It really I under, is. I understand. Like, holy crap. He has to get that right every single time, or else he could actually murder someone. I understand that it's a dangerous move, and I understand that it is impactful. What it is not is, is it doesn't make me mark out, it doesn't make me, you know, excited. 
Um, the same way that a more powerful move like the, the 1916 or the curb stomp or the RKO or the or the FU or the you know F5 or any of those moves make me feel it, it's it seems like it's a transitionary move because if you stomped on a guy and then you called for the 1916 and then that put him away, I think that's I agree. It, it it makes sense as a signature move. Agree. Maybe not a finisher. I think the biggest issue with the coup de gras at the moment is the fact that it has that three-step lead-up. Uh, you have the sling blade, the missile drop kick, and then the coup de gras. And so far, you get one, two, three. That's it. The no missile one drop seems... kick is immaculate, though. Yeah, it's great. But the thing is that they, they basically do is bang, bang, bang. You never see anyone manage to get out of it. It never takes anyone by surprise. Uh, whenever whenever you don't see the missile drop kick before the coup de gras and you see him start to go for it, you know he's not going to hit it. It's the fact that you because you do have those basically the three moves of doom, as it were, uh, for Finn Balor, and they need to break out of that little habit right there because it's absolutely killing the impact of the move. You know what's coming. You know you got to get your camera out because hey, he's going to hit the coup de gras and it's all going to be over and all that fun stuff. You have to make it a bit of a surprise. Honestly, though, I don't know one wrestler right now whose, like, movesets isn't all formulaic. Like, I feel like I can call the spots for pretty much any match. You definitely can, and that's that's what they call the WWE style. Except Brock, though. Brock, hit, Brock getting that F5 on Joe, I wasn't expecting it right there in that match. I, I thought the match would have gone a little longer, but like I said before, I'm just so done with Brock Lesnar if all he's going to do is suplex F5. Because I was, it's not like it's not like I know he can't do anything else. Like Goldberg, it's like I know Brock can do other stuff. This is the guy that had like one of the best matches of like you know the two thousands and that Iron Man match with Kurt Angle. He knows how to put on a good match if he really wanted to. It's just so annoying that when he comes back, it's like oh my god, it's Brock Lesnar. Here he comes, you know, UFC fighter, and all he does when he comes back, oh suplex, oh, and he finishes it with an F five. Okay, like, I say the same thing an, every single time Brock comes back. And then I mark out when Brock does something. I don't know what it is. Dude, like, but I, I want to I, hate him, but I I'm love him. I'm enjoying Brock, and I'm a pretty big Brock, like, not, pretty big guy who doesn't usually like Brock Lesnar. You're a pretty big but guy. for him and Joe, it seems like a real fight. And, like, at Raw, when it was, when it was, uh, Joe, Reigns, and Brock Lesnar, it seemed like a fight. Like, I believe that more than I believe normal wrestling. Like, these guys just want to hurt each other. Yeah, and when it was... Joe and uh, Joe and Brock got into each other's faces and really, you know, held it together, and that was, like, an intense moment. That was the most intense I've ever felt watching Monday Night Raw for a very long time. Brock... No, I'll Brock, give you that, because Brock's segment when he spoke, like, like I am talking like that. Like, when he, when he takes the mic, then you know it's serious. Right, and everyone always makes fun of Brock's voice. I don't see a problem with it. It's a little bit high-pitched, but, you know, the dude is a monster, and I don't want to I don't want to make him angry. No, when he grabbed the mic this week, as soon as he did that, I was like, oh, it's about to go down. Like, I don't, I don't really mind his voice. Honestly, that doesn't bother me, because you know that he, he will still absolutely beat the living hell out of you. Just do something more than a fucking suplex, please. Yes, and that's the biggest issue. Uh, the Joe versus Brock Lesnar match was honestly kind of boring because basically Joe, basically what happened, Joe uh, hits Brock Lesnar when he's not looking, 
uh, beats him up for a little bit, then puts on the Coquina clutch. Nothing ever really happened. It was it was a fight, it was a series yeah. of Coquina it was a se- series of Coquina clutches, suplexes, and an F five. Okay. I disagree. It felt more like a fight. We're not gonna get a Tyler Dunn match like every week. I mean, I believe that two big guys like that just want to fight each other. Yeah, and it's making me believe wrestling more. And I know it's fake, but it just seems to feel more real. There was an intensity there that the rest of the the rest of the roster does not have. Uh, Joe is amazing in on the mic. He's amazing in the ring. His fight was with Lesnar. We got to decide whether or not we like formulaic wrestling or not. Because there was nothing formulaic about that match. Joe knew that the only way to beat Brock was to was to uh, make him pass out. And the Coquina Clutch is the most protected the most protected submission right now in WWE. I, I just there think, needs to be happy medium. Yes, there needs to be a happy medium. But this seemed like two gigantic human beings that wanted to rip each other's faces off. Yeah, I mean it. It, it seemed like they were blurring the lines of what's real and fake and like i appreciate that yes i do too and meanwhile uh the next day on 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 monday night raw when those two are doing their thing um getting intense at each other again and paul Heyman is absolutely selling that he is terrified of another fight with joe saying that oh you're never gonna get another fight you don't deserve it you know etc etc roman reigns was there too by the way and he seemed distant, and he seemed like he could not hold his own with the other guys. Now, that may be... They look small compared to them. I think that's absolutely true. I think he does look smaller compared to them, but he's taller than... than he's taller than Joe, and... No, I know, but just, like, muscle mass-wise, he just looks a lot smaller. If, well, if Joe's he, kind of fat. Joe, he's not as no, thick. No, he is. He's not as thick. But that's not that's not what even I'm talking about. Roman Reigns can't hold his own on the mic as well as Joe or Brock, or 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 Heyman or or Kurt, who were the other guys in in the ring. He was like in the corner being left out until you know things got heated and Kurt Angle transitioned into you know a number one contenders match between Roman Reigns and and Samoa Joe, which. Was a good fight the first time. I really liked that match. It didn't make any sense. <laughs> but it didn't make any sense. Roman Reigns thinks he's the number one contender, but he lost the night before on his own accord, and then and then he tried to murder somebody. He tried to kill Braun Strowman in an act of vehicular manslaughter. He lost the match, and then gets angry about it and tries to kill a man. Should Roman Reigns be in jail right now? Yes. Yes. I mean, yes, but they're trying to pull off the whole attitude and everything where it's like people try to kill each other and then it doesn't matter the next week, you know. Okay, like, Yeah, it's just like, I'm like, and the thing was stupid is like, you know, like, Kurt Angle's like, you have balls to come out after what you didn't, like, but I'm going to give you that triple threat anyway. And it's just like, you, you, like, you're mad at him right now. What the fuck? Like, what the hell? It didn't make yeah, any it's, sense. Here's the thing, the though, is that anymore. he actually did... He oh, actually really? did try to murder Braun Strowman. It is attempted murder, and saying, "Oh, well, it's for a remake of the Attitude Area," would not actually hold up in a court of law. 
Well, I mean, so. a lot of what happened in the Attitude Era wouldn't hold up in a court of law, and also pretty much everything that happens in WWE could be considered assault. But it's you have to suspend your disbelief. To not, not if it's consensual. Is, if you're consensually fighting each other, it's not technically considered assault. I mean, all the backstage attacks aren't exactly consensual. But ignoring that at the moment, the fact is, this is not the Attitude Era. Uh, I don't give a damn if you are trying to bring it back, because... Everything has changed. The culture has changed. The fans have changed. It's time to piss off with that because it's not going to be accepted. Roman Reigns is not more or less over because of this. You just made him look like a heel. But you're not treating him like a heel. You have to do that if you want to get him over at all, ever. Okay. Because it's just not happening right now. If You know, some... one of the things that I look at is when, like, you know, like, you don't want to treat me like a heel. It's like, Braun's supposed to be a heel. You literally saw Braun walk out on his own two feet, bloodied as hell, and, like, you know, and normally at the heel, like, when they get help, they'll, like, actually throw the referees off them and start hitting the referees. He didn't do that. He just, like, you know, shrugged them off and said, no, let me walk. You know, like, kind of reminded me of, when, like, Austin, um, you know, bled out against Bret Hart and that when they did the double fit, the double turn, you know, everyone applauded him for, you know, not, you know, not giving up and just, like, you know, like, so just passing out from it. Yeah, I think he, like, stunned Shamrock after he... Got a, like he it kind of remind me of how Stone Cold how Braun acted after like Stone Cold did. I just think it's funny how he got out of a crippled, you know, car, a crippled ambulance, and had not a scratch on him. It had a little bit of fake blood in his hands, but there was no bruising. There was no giant welts. The ambulance when it cracked that he was like totally unscathed. Yeah, but it's like it's, it's it's hard to just like you know that, that takes a long time to put that kind of makeup on. He had blood packets eh. like pouring off of his no, face. but like like bruising and welting like that like you have to actually like really take a long time to kind of like put like come stuff on you had a you had a whole he Slater match to do it. No, but someone would yeah, have sure. been someone would have been in the ambulance and that, that those kind of things take like thirty minutes like uh, you you can't just. Yeah. Like I've, I've had to do costume like um makeup stuff for like theater when back in high school and. It takes a while. Well, it doesn't have to, to be, be perfect. Fair, it just has to be good for, like, far away. Segment. Yeah, but they closed, they, they closed up on it, though. You, Carl. I do not think it was pre-recorded. What you noticed... No, because what you noticed was for about two minutes, they just uh, focused on Roman Reigns before it backed up. And I think Braun Strowman just got out of the car. No, he did. He got out, and then when they were, like cramming the door he just went in like there's another door on the other side and he just went in that way when they're using the jaws of life probably that's anyone else noticed that when the ambulance collided no airbags went off at all yeah like if I you're gonna create that. a stunt like this you gotta make it authentic well i don't think they could I, here's the thing with an airbag if 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 it hit roman reigns in the face with an airbag he might have you know become disoriented um because that's a really big impact Airbags can be is, dangerous, but, though. Right. But physics, physics-wise, he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. No airbag was done. By the time that he, he hit, really, he, he should have been shot out through that windshield. That was an no, aluminum trailer. It was going to bend. That was the whole point. That wasn't a real trailer. I know it wasn't. It was clearly thing. a stunt truck. Obviously, you know, newsflash wrestling is actually fake. So, yeah, really? I'm just saying, for believability's sake, there are certain things that he, I wish they he, would pay more attention to with bigger stunts like this, just to sell cr- it more. He, he crashed the back of the truck, not the front. 
No, but still, he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. With the collision towards his back, he wouldn't have gone backwards. He would have gone forward. Is Roman Reigns a heel for not wearing a seatbelt and being the quintessential face for children? (laughs) Click it. Click it or ticket. Click it or ticket. Heel moves only. At the very least, Roman Reigns should have a uh, get a ticket um, for not wearing a seatbelt in a motor vehicle that he did not have the license to drive. And um, reckless driving. Reckless driving. He, you know, I'm sure he wasn't holding his wallet and have his, his ID on him. Um, Technically, it was a hit and run. Also, I'm pretty sure you need a special license in order to operate medical vehicles. Yes. So, Roman Reigns I mean, he, should be in jail the guy out of the truck. on multiple counts. Oh, and it was Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, he threw the EMT, like, out of the yeah. ambulance. Yeah, and that... Roman Roman Reigns is a despicable human being. Just but he's the good guy, so we're supposed to like him? The word that I have for it, that I came up with the other day, Carl was in the room, is anti-villain. He's not an anti-hero, because he doesn't do cool stuff that people like to give actual bad guys their comeuppance. He does really, really bad things and is supposed to be the good guy. Um, and he, he treats people poorly. So, is Roman Reigns a heel now? Is he the anti-villain? I think, you know, like, that'll going back to, I'm not a good guy, I'm not a bad guy, I'm the guy thing. I think Vince is just like, people are just going to get a reaction to you no matter what, so just do you. Like, you don't have to be bad, you don't have to be good. One of the things I don't get about Vince is, like, Vince knows what it's like when you're trying to get somebody over as, like, a face, and it doesn't work, and they did it with The Rock. You know, he was a horrible face as Rocky Maivia. He came back as The Rock in the Nation of Domination, and, you know, told off the fans and turned into The Rock that we know and love today. So I don't get why, you know, hell, it's even his own damn cousin. Like, why doesn't Vince see, okay, well, that's what happened with The Rock. Similar things kind of happening with you. Let's turn you heel, and then we can turn you face once you get enough support and heat on you like after like, a certain amount of time as a heel i just don't get like why he thinks like he can just do the john cena thing all over again they're just two different characters john cena has all the charisma in the world yeah his wrestling isn't that amazing I and mean, he could put on good matches sometimes but i'm not like wowed by any, like his f you i hate but um I think... besides the point but yeah i just don't understand like why you know, Vince just doesn't turn him heel. Like, he, because, he's no, there's no charisma. He's just a brooding guy. Because you said it yourself. He's I not think a heel his characteristics thing. are very much more similar to The Rock than they are to the to uh, John Cena. And originally when he was getting the push, like John Cena, I kept saying that, yeah, he's going to be the next John Cena. Because once John gets his 17th title win... I think he's going to pull a rock and he's going to leave, go to movies, go to action, you know, things of that sort. But now that he's coming back this year, I don't think that's going to happen for another five years max, eh, minimum. But, you know, around five years, we'll start to see less and less of John Cena. So I thought they were originally grooming Roman Reigns for that. But the more that I look at it, he does not get the reaction that John Cena does. When John Cena comes out, and we saw it on Tuesday, he gets that pop. Whether it's for people hating him or people loving him, he gets that reaction. So and does Roman Reigns does not as much. No, I have to disagree, Carl. Only because it's not the same. It's not the... The Let's we go, hate Cena, you, we love you. It's Cena, more of a why are you kind of here? No, yeah, just I like just, we don't no. want to see you. No, uh, it he 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 get he gets the reaction of people actually hate him, 
but you have all the children that are actively cheering him on. You were at WrestleMania. You saw the, like you saw the people that were dressed up like Roman Reigns. All the children were supporting him. It was a well, very yeah, well, polarizing reaction. Well, yeah, and that's a similar thing to John Cena. But John Cena, you could tell people are cheering because they either love him or they love to hate him. I feel like Roman Reigns' reaction is not a, oh, I have to cheer right now because I hate you so much. It's a, why are you here? I truly want you off the stage. Well, I, w- Get I, will, say, I will say this. Boos are not as loud as cheers. I think more people cheer John Cena like during his music. No, the guys don't like boo him now. It's like, John Cena sucks. They have like a whole chorus of like, the older men going, John Cena it's sucks. It's like Angle, the you suck chance at, that, at yeah, this point. Exactly. Yeah. When but Roman is just right now. It's it is more out of respect. Roman but, Reigns gets pure booze. Roman is just straight booze, and booze aren't as loud he, as cheers and like singing. He gets pure booze. The only people that cheer him are children. When it comes to John Cena, he gets 50-50 reactions, and the people who don't like Cena are very are it. It was different a few years ago, but he overcame it like he overcomes everything else. John Cena gets a 50-50 reaction. But everyone there wants to see him. Roman Reigns gets a, oh, I want to say a ninety percent reaction of booze, and then depending on how many women or children and children that you know don't really follow wrestling, just really want to see superheroes beat the crap out of other superheroes, he gets the he gets loud children pops, and he gets you know he's a sexy man. So girls girls like him. Moms love Roman Reigns the same way they did John Cena, but. The most vocal people in the arena are the men, between you know our ages, and older, who know that Roman Reigns is not terribly fun on the mic, but we all know he's a good wrestler. We are, we all I can't get I can't name you a bad Roman Reigns match from the last year and a half. I can't. No, he's 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 been incredible the last year right. in the ring. I think he'll have it's a five star match. On Meltzer's scale, by the end of his career, at least one. It's just, I mean, I don't love to hate Roman. I just, I mean, I don't mind Roman now. I like him leaning into being a heel. I'm never going to cheer for him. But, like, Cena, I'll cheer for. He's not the type of heel I'll cheer for. Let's put it that way. Like, Kevin Owens, I root for. Like, those heels I root for. But Roman is the heel I will never root for. Roman is what you would call a pure heel who does not embrace the heel gimmick. Which is why I think he's an anti-villain, an anti-heel. He He's in denial yeah. about it. Vince is in denial about it. His character is 100% a bad guy. If you Alright, let's do an experiment. Everyone think of one word to describe Roman Reigns, and then we'll go around telling each other what it is. In my opinion, the one word that comes to my head when I hear Roman Reigns, the character, is asshole. That's his character. You know, Parker, what is the first word that comes to your mind when you hear Roman Reigns? Arrogant. Carl. Boo! Haley. You suck. No. You suck. <laughs> and, and, no, that's... Seriously, when I hear Roman Reigns, the first thing I'm I think boring. is boo! I'm more like a really, like really, again, this week. Yeah, but, like... That's that's that that was a good idea there, Ryan, because it really it just kind of proves the point that Roman Reigns' character is a heel. Uh, they just haven't embraced it for whatever reason, and they really, really, really need to. I don't know why they have. I disagree, man. I think what they're doing right now works. 
I think it works if it made sense. Like, maybe there's not a word for it, and maybe Vince was right, you know, however many years ago. It's got to be like 20 years now when he made that promo saying, WWE is changing and we're not going to have good guys anymore and bad guys anymore. Maybe they're finally doing that. Is is Roman Reigns the new version, I guess, of... I, I hate to say it, but is he Stone Cold Steve Austin? Not even close. No, okay. I mean, that's what they want him to be. The only nah, Stone reason... Cold Steve Austin was still a charismatic son of a bitch. That's not Roman what I'm Reigns talking is about. basically a plank of wood. That's not what I'm talking about at all. What I'm talking about is Stone Cold Steve Austin... Stone Cold Steve Austin came out, fuck shit up, and he he committed tons of crimes against Vince McMahon and company. It's because Stone Cold Steve Austin was a charismatic son of a bitch. He could sell the hell out of being an asshole, but people would still enjoy him for it because, because of the fact that he could sell that kind of thing. Roman Reigns can't sell that kind of thing because he is as charismatic as a block of wood. It really does... it. For me, at least, it comes back to charisma. The fact that Stone Cold Steve Austin was able to do that and still get himself over, and the fact that Roman Reigns is doing basically the same thing and the exact opposite is happening, I think it comes back to the fact that Roman Reigns can't sell that kind of character, unlike Stone Cold Steve Austin could. So is he close to Brian Pillman? The guy who's yes. not who's not close enough to be as popular and as likable as Stone Cold, but, you know, pulled a gun... You know, and is crazy, which all these comparisons over the last two years have also been given to Dean Ambrose. These same exact comparisons. Is he is he Pillman or is he Stone Cold? No, I agree. I mean, I mean, look, the thing was with Roman, like I said, with Steve Austin, you have to either be charismatic to pull like stuff off, and Roman Reigns isn't. You know, I mean, Steve Austin's like, give me a hell yeah, everyone give me a hell yeah, drink a beer. That's a guy you want to drink a beer with. Tough son of a bitch who can drink a beer with. All right, well, that's going to do it for us here. Um, This has been the Unprotected Headshots podcast. We really had a a lot of fun talking with Josh. It's his first time on the show. Thank you for joining us all here on the Unprotected Headshots podcast. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at UPHS Podcast. Also, donate to our Patreon. A link will be down in the description if you want to hear more. Um, We are on iTunes and we are on SoundCloud. Potentially more if, if you guys want to. Um, we do now have a brand new blog with a beautiful writing staff led by our very own Carl Z. He's our head writer. Um, other other features on there are our girl Haley here has her own blog about Glow. And is it... Close to Reality, the Netflix TV show. I know it was a fantastic show on Netflix, and I'm very excited for the second season. That's that's about it for the podcast.